I believe that we are servants and that we benefit by giving. Good givers are great getters, and that you give before you get. And this idea of getting without giving is a shortcut, but ultimately doesn't promote happiness. Welcome to The One You Feed. Throughout time, great thinkers have recognized the importance of the thoughts we have. Quotes like, garbage in, garbage out, or you are what you think, ring true. And yet, for many of us, our thoughts don't strengthen or empower us. We tend toward negativity, self-pity, jealousy, or fear. We see what we don't have instead of what we do. We think things that hold us back and dampen our spirit. But it's not just about thinking. Our actions matter. It takes conscious, consistent, and creative effort to make a life worth living. This podcast is about how other people keep themselves moving in the right direction, how they feed their good wolf. Being active is more important than ever, and that's why I am excited to introduce On, perhaps the best kept secret in the running world. I love these shoes. I have been buying them for four years, and I don't buy anything else. They were founded in 2010 in Zurich, Switzerland, and it's the fastest growing running brand globally. Their philosophy is that you should run how you were born to run. Instead of correcting your movement, on shoes react to your individual running motion. As I said, I love these shoes. I use them for trail running, for all uh, running on the streets, and just day-to-day wear. They are amazing. And on is offering our listeners an exclusive offer. Try the shoes or gear for up to 30 days commitment-free. Head to on-running.com slash feed and pick your favorite shoes and apparel items. Apply the code TRYONFEED at checkout to test your new products for 30 days. Love them, keep them. Not convinced? Send them back for a full refund. That's on-running.com slash feed and the promo code is TRYONFEED. Thanks for joining us. Our guest on this episode is Russell Simmons, an American entrepreneur and author. Russell began his entrepreneurial career in his youth, but on the wrong side of the law, selling marijuana to make money while being an active member of a local gang. He then partnered with Rick Rubin to create Def Jam Records and signed artists like The Beastie Boys, LL Cool J, Public Enemy, and Run DMC. He is also the chairman and CEO of Rush Communications and created the clothing fashion lines Fat Farm, Argyle Culture, and Tantris. What many people may not realize is he is also a vocal proponent of meditation and veganism. His latest book is called The Happy Vegan, A Guide to Living a Long, Healthy, and Successful Life. Here's the interview. Hi, Russell. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So our podcast is called The One You Feed, and it's based on the parable of two wolves that you may have heard before. In the parable, there's a grandfather who's talking with his grandson, and he says, in life, there are two wolves inside of us that are always at battle. One is a good wolf, represents things like kindness and bravery and love, and the other is a bad wolf, which represents things like greed and hatred and fear. And the grandson stops, and he thinks about it for a second, and he looks up at his grandfather, and he says, Grandfather, which one wins? And the grandfather says, The one you feed. So I'd like to start this interview off by asking you what that parable means to you in your life and in the work that you do. Well, I believe that we are servants and that we benefit by giving. Good givers are great getters before you get. And this idea of getting 
without giving is a shortcut, but ultimately doesn't promote happiness. So I feed the one that is, you know, kind and compassionate and the rest because I want return to me kindness and compassion as much as I can. I'm not enlightened. I struggle, but I try to do the right thing because I feel like that's not only as a trade with the world, but as a gift to the world, because I believe the freedom from even being attached to the result of it is is a is a good thing. I I also believe that good givers that uh, that are not concerned or attached to result are greater givers, and then in the end, ultimately become greater getters. Uh, so that's just even the more do you disassociate yourself with the results of your labor, the fruits of your labor, the more that they come in. You know, you've seen the Indian deity, uh, Lakshmi, this idea of just she's giving all the time, but there's mm-hmm. all these jewels at her feet because good givers are great getters. And those who focus only on their work without regard for the fruit of their work are better at their work, yeah. just practically, you know, uh, from a practical level. You know, you go to work, put your head down, you focus on your work, you'll have good result. Focusing on what you get is, you know, you have no control over it. So we'll go into your latest book is called The Happy Vegan, and we'll go into that in just a minute. But there was something you were saying as you were introducing that book that I wanted to bring up. You were talking about, you know, why do we see so many successful and famous people sort of adopting the vegan lifestyle? And and you said that, you know, there's a dirty little secret about success and fame. They don't necessarily make you happy. And that, that people are searching for a deeper meaning in their life. And that's why you see a lot of people you think headed towards a vegan diet. Well, I think that same thing happens with people who don't have a lot of stuff. You know, they have to, they have to evolve. Uh, they have to accept condition that they're in. And a lot of people just accept it. And, it, and that acceptance is a bit of freedom. Um, some people have to have extreme to realize that those things don't cause happiness. Right. Anyway. Well, people have them in the middle mostly the happiest and don't have to make transition so much. They just kind of learn to be happy with mm-hmm. what they have. Mostly in America, what they have is enough to create their own happiness. Uh, and even the poor, they don't need stuff either, but they're told they're poor. They're told they're struggling. You know, even with the light bulb, even with the you know, all the cable except HBO, even with whatever they do have, you know, it's like they don't have enough. And so they're told that, so that kind of weighs on them if they let it. Just like the rich are told they have everything, and then that weighs the fuck out of them because they're like, what is this? Like, I have everything and I have nothing. You know, I'm not happy. So those two struggle the most. Uh, the people who think that the rich, the new toy will make them happy, continuously suffer. And those people who have nothing and complain that they need more stuff continuously suffer. Um, but it's all about, you know, it's all inside. It's nothing on the outside that can create happiness. It's an inside job. We'll talk a little bit about your book before this was about meditation. So we'll, we'll get into that. That's a topic we cover a lot on the show. But I wanted to tell you a story about the happy vegan before we got started. So about... I don't know. We've been doing the show for about two years. About a year and a half ago, we had a guy on named Rich Roll. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a vegan ultra endurance athlete. Yes, I, I heard about him. Yeah. Yeah. And so I took his, I took, I, he, he challenged me to do 30 days vegan. And so I did 30 days vegan and I stayed doing it for, I don't know, probably about a year, but about the last six months, I've kind of fallen off. I've been, haven't been eating animals, but I've been, um, 
dairy, eggs, etc. I read your book on the plane out and immediately decided like I'm back on. Like I need to I need to get back to where I was. It was very I found it to be given that I, you know, ha- was was close anyway. I found it really compelling and made me sort of recommit to that that practice. Well, good. I'm glad for that. Listen, it's um no one's absolute. Right. There's egg in your noodle, you know, or whatever. It could yeah. be, you know, it could be a piece of fish off your friend's plate you took a bite people some people need to be absolute yeah you know to to uh, practice something um but I, I believe that a vegan diet is healthier for the planet and the people of the planet right um that's not a belief system that's just fact and i want to share it with people mm-hmm. and I, and the more people that become vegan you know the more likely we are to survive as a species and the more likely that uh, the planet will will survive, that a lot of other species cannot, you know, survive on it, right? But we're certainly killing off species, so many species, and and what we are doing with cows alone, so abusive. It is all, you know, it has everything to do, in my mind, with corporate greed and our lack of control of the corporations and their control of our government, the freedom to exploit our resources, to poison our people is what corporations have. They have so much corporate welfare, $300 billion to make the cost of meat cheap. And this is a PETA study, $17 million for vegetables. Yep. (laughs) So this warped system where we pay tax dollars and those tax dollars are given to corporations that poison us, poison the planet, and commit the worst atrocities are part of the worst comic disaster in the history of the world. And and that's our government. So people think that our government is protecting us when, in fact, they are poisoning us. Yeah, in the book, you talk about the 65 billion animals, is it yearly? I mean, depending on how you look at it, it's 100. It's a, bi- it's a big number. It's a big you- number. 65 billion is the number. I mean, it's 100 billion. It's certainly 10 billion. The factory farmed animals in America is, is the number that people go for. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you call Billions it the- of animals birthed into the worst suffering uh, or the best practices factories can come up with to manufacture their flesh or their actions, whether they, you know, I mean, lay eggs, you know, whatever they can do to a dairy cow to get milk out of it, electrocute it, let it live its own feces, as long as the tube around it doesn't really pollute the milk. It's disgusting what they do. It's horrific. It's illegal to film it. You know, it's not illegal to go in my workplace and film. It's not illegal to go in a nuclear facility and film. It's not illegal to go anywhere in a workplace and film except a factory farm. Right. It's horrible. Yeah. I mean, it's like they're, they're poisoning the people and pulling the wool over their eyes, and and they just keep it moving. Like, it's nothing. Yep. You know, it's why I occupied. The reason you occupy Wall Street is because the people no longer control this government. It's the money. And that is the reason that we're able to, you know, they're able to make, manufacture lives in the fashion in which they do, short lives in the fashion in which they do, because they're paying for play. And the congressmen and senators, they can't do nothing but take the money. Shut up, you know, even the presence. You know, I, one good thing Trump said, he said one good thing. <laughs> Money corrupts good people. And he looked around. Like, like He's the only one not controlled, right? Like he, he said that. It was like one good thing he said because he gets free press. I mean, he couldn't afford to buy the press. He gets, so he, he gets free press, so he's able to say, I'm free. And that freedom may make him say stuff that 
shocking to America, maybe even progressive ideas, and scary, you know. But that's a different discussion. But you know, but the real truth is, uh, Hillary Clinton can't say that, right? Yeah. So it's so it, so we're talking about an ongoing process where our government is controlled by money. changing faster and faster today and there's so much uncertainty and one of the skills that we need to deal with it is to be able to learn things quickly and the best way I've found to do that is Blinkist. Blinkist is a unique and powerful app that works on your phone, your tablet or your web browser and basically what they do is give you the best key takeaways, the need to know information from over 3,000 non-fiction bestsellers. They condense them down into blinks, which you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes. I've found it really helpful for me over the last few weeks to really get up to speed a lot more on racial issues in this country. They've got a ton of great books out there that you can look at, like The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi, White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo, and so many more. And now they've got a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash wolf to start your free seven-day trial and get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership and up to 65% off audiobooks that are yours to keep forever. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash wolf to get 25% off a premium membership and a seven-day free trial. Blinkist.com slash wolf. The people who drive industries, entertainment, and culture shape our world every day in bold and dramatic ways. But did you ever wonder how they got there? Behind the Talent features in-depth conversations with people who identify and develop talent, the people who find the people that shape our world. Guests include big league sports scouts, rock star talent agents, and CIA officers. Uncovering the skills and challenges that unite them all is the job of host David Mead, He's an expert speaker and educator, and he brings his own curiosity and insights to each interview to expand our understanding of what it means to be a recruiter in today's world of work. Brought to you by Indeed.com, Behind the Talent is a must-listen for anyone interested in the secrets behind identifying talent and unlocking potential in individuals and organizations. Subscribe to Behind the Talent now, wherever you get your podcasts. You're a big proponent of meditation. Your previous book was about meditation. And you said in The Happy Vegan that meditation by itself is great. Yoga by itself is great. Veganism by itself is great. But when you combine the three of those, it's sort of like a, a, a turbocharge. I think so. I mean, I look, I, I meditate daily. I go to yoga every single day, God sends. Even when I'm traveling or whatever, I find a yoga practice. Uh, heated yoga for me these days, last four or five years. But uh, you put them all together, it's, you know, it's part of a process to, you know, to reduce the, the speed at which you age. New science evidence says you, re, you not only reduce it, but that you uh, turn it back some. You know, this is like Deepak Chopra sent me all this research about how the cells that close up um, 
start to open up again and and grow again through practices like meditation and then even yoga. So that's those are things that reverse the aging process. So it's a pretty uh, phenomenal find to put these things together. For me, it's been you know life saving. You can look at picture of me thirty years ago. I don't look so good. Thirty seven years ago, I look twisted. You know, so I can honestly say that lifestyle matters and ge- genetics are not the key. They told Bill Clinton the genetics, like you, you, you twi- your heart's fucked up. You know, that's just who you are. And he said no, and he went on a vegan diet and he reversed the process and he feels great now. And that's an amazing shift for him. The doctors were wrong, and that's a big deal. The best doctors were wrong, and it turned out that. The obvious, which all the nutritionists, uh, uh, modern nutritionists and the China study and all these other research information is is right. You know, doctors don't know nothing anyway. They don't study any nutrition at all. Right. Yeah. The point you made in the book about President Clinton is if there was a better way, if there was a better pill or a better procedure, you know he'd get it because he's President Clinton. The fact that he chose a vegan diet shows kind of it's the best approach. Well, it's the best that I'm aware of, and I'm very happy to share it. I mean, the money goes to charity. I don't do this for self-gain. Um, I, I I love the idea, so it's self-gain. It is something. I mean, I like the idea of people walking up and saying, your book made me happier, made me happier. That's the thing. Changed my life, made me happy. Everybody says that about my previous books. My last book, as you point out, was a good book. I mean, Oprah said it was the best book on the subject. And it sold, it was 17 weeks on the bestseller list. So it was a significant kind of um, distribution, accomplishment, whatever, right? So I wrote that book, and everybody says that about that. Super Rich, same thing. Do You, same thing. Those books made you happier. This book will save your life. So it's even more important. If we could start, imagine if we got hot. I mean, I'm sure I'll catch hell. I'm sure the factory farming industry ain't going to just let me talk about them. So I'm trying to live a clean life. I've already tried my best for the last 58 years, trying to be a pretty decent human being. Probably extra clean now. Like I got traffic lights, all that shit, because they, they want me. <laughs> They're not going to be happy. It's like the NRA doesn't like me very much. I was at one point on their list. And I was very proud to know that. They're a little different. I mean, they don't know. But you're talking, you know, you're talking 300. Does American taxpayers know that it equals about $300 billion? This is Peter's report. I got to give reports from everybody because... You know, everything I say should be documented or they'll sue me for it uh, or we can prove it later. But uh, it's expensive to do that. But anyway, I don't want to be in a lawsuit with, you know, but it's true. Factory farming is poisoning America. The factory farming industry is poisoning America. And the American government is subsidizing that process. They're giving money to them and not to the vegetable industry. And, you know, that's good for the pharmaceutical companies, I guess. It just all feeds. It's all money. It's all bullshit. It's all money. And um, I want people to to open up, make choices on their own, and build something different. What motivates you now? You've been incredibly successful, right? You you don't have to have to be working, and yet here you are. You know, talking earlier about you you keep long days every day. Lots not of every stuff single day. On. No, I'm going to make yoga and meditation. Yeah. I'm really. Basically, look, my girlfriend took took a day off. She's supposed to be shooting today. She's not. She's just hanging the fuck out. <laughs> so we hanging, right? Mm-hmm. She's heard all this shit like a lot, like a hundred times. Sagan, my assistant's heard this shit for her whole life. She's like sick of hearing it. I could, I could do the interviews one. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you did good. You did part of the interviews today. 
Yeah, she, they, they, they were asking her on the Hot 97 or the, or the Breakfast Club, the hip-hop radio show. Like, well, what do you think? And she had, but anyway, and they filmed that too, by the way, so your mother see that. Anyway, in Australia, your mother see that. So, I mean, it's just, it's an important gift, you know? I mean, I, I said good givers are great getters. You don't give to you get to you go. So that, to me, is, is very important. You know, give to you go. Lion said, who's that minister? Oh, God, I was going to quote Farrakhan. He said, lion doesn't stop fighting until he stop eating, stop hunting, whatever. Talking about old people. He's a speech to old people about keep doing it until you check out. You know, you got to keep giving until you're gone. You know, you want to stay useful, right? I'm building all kind of new fun shit to do. Building a yoga studio. Getting Oprah to meditate was a big deal because she got other people to meditate. Yeah. That's the thing about celebrity. You know, it's kind of funny. I still have so much of it at, at this age. And I speak to the young people. Like my daughter, you know, she's always embarrassed by me. But, but her friends, and she's only 15, but her friends in Switzerland are like, oh, Russell's the godfather of hip-hop. She's like, I can't stand this shit. Like she can't <laughs> take that. I know her friends. You know, I'm, like, I'm not dead yet. I'm not. So I can talk to young people. I talk to people, you know, almost as old as I am I can talk to, right? So I get to to use my voice to make a difference. Celebrities are a very valuable tool in politics, in social and political issues that matter to underserved communities. So I keep doing it. Let's talk about meditation for a second. You You make an interesting point that we spend a lot of time and energy maintaining all parts of our lives, our finances, our health, our homes, our all that stuff that we spend no time maintaining what would arguably be our greatest asset, our mind, and that meditation is a way to do that. Absolutely. Well, you know, to reboot your mind's important. 20 minutes, fine. Let the mind settle. The nervous system calm. Thoughts come and they go. Some of the thoughts that come, you'd be surprised to know that they're not so troublesome when you see them from a distance. So you get to do inventory, and then you have real quiet moments and then the brain, the left and the right side of the brain connect. They stop disconnecting at eight years old. They start reconnecting when we meditate. The gray matter in the brain grows. You can see it on a scanner. In eight weeks of regular meditation, more gray matter in the brain. That's amazing. Your memory, your immune system. There's so many benefits to meditation. They're known for thousands of years, but now we have scientific proof of all the things I'm saying. So there's no reason not to, you know, there's no reason not to. It's for well-being, it's for health. I want to be happy, you know. Um, happiness is the number one thing you get for meditation because you're only happy when the mind is settled. The seconds a joke hits you, right, even if you're troubled and a joke hits you, all the future and the past disappears, you giggle, right, because yeah. you forgot all that bullshit. Single-pointed focus, where you have a mantra and it's the only focus. You know, you get the hundreds of thoughts out your mind and get one. You know, the idea of none is, you know, seldom happens, but you get one thought. Anything, a corpse, a sunset, anything is beautiful when you're free from the noisy mind and the fear and anxiety that goes along with all the noise.
I love Perfect Bars. I've talked about them before on here, how much I love them, how many of them I've eaten, which is an extraordinary number. But there's not just Perfect Bars. The company, Perfect Snacks, make a variety of products like protein bars, peanut butter cups, and kids' snack bars. And they're all made with freshly ground nut butter, organic honey, and 20 organic superfoods. You're sure to find something that you'll love. Of course, my favorite is the standard Perfect Bar dark chocolate chip peanut butter, although their peanut butter cups are amazing too, and you keep them in the fridge, and so they're cold. If you're not already convinced, they're also non-GMO, project verified. They're gluten-free, they're soy-free, they're kosher, and they're low GI, and they are delicious. So right now, Perfect Snacks is offering 15% off your online order. Just go to perfectsnacks.com slash wolf. Shop their refrigerated snacks at perfectsnacks.com slash wolf today to get 15% off your order. We want you to be prepared for snack time. So go to perfectsnacks.com slash wolf to stock up and save 15%. You mentioned in the inventory process and I, or in the meditation process, I'd not heard this before about there being two phases. And the first you call the taking inventory phase before you go into more of the, the, the deeper mind phase. Can you describe what that is? If you close your mind, if you close your eyes at first, you try to think of everything at once. You have no thoughts. <laughs> But if you quiet your mind a little bit, then thoughts come, and you get to examine them. They're not like one in a hundred thoughts that are racing through your mind. It just comes through to see the thought. It's how that ain't shit. I won't be here long. <laughs> Things that kill you, like, that ain't shit. What do you think? And the answer is not going to be here long, because you see how quickly it passes. On to a new thought. So... This idea that this will pass, or this idea that um, without emotion you can make a decision, maybe, that may be a better decision, or innovation comes from stillness, so maybe you have a creative idea. Important. Do that work. Let the brain settle and decide on how, how it feels about all the crap that's running through it. And then let the brain settle and not worry about the crap at all. Let the brain settle, and you know, awake when you open your eyes, and you know, you, you can start over, begin again. You know, you can only start from an empty mind. If not samskara, yogis refer to the cycle of the same negative behavior. But in order to be brand new, to begin again, to begin again, you have to be present. What led you to meditation and yoga? in the first place. Like, I was the only dude, like, it was like 20-something years ago, like, me and Bobby Sriver and, like, 58 girls, two gay guys. <laughs> and it was like, I went, after the first class, I was addicted. A te teacher was Steve Ross in L.A. And um, played Fuck the Police and all these cool songs, and it was fun. Loud yoga class. He had been a monk. He's a raw foodist for 40, 40 years now. And he's a very dedicated yogi, but he has this fun class, still teaches it. Fun, loud class. And um, I don't go to it as much, but he's a great teacher. He's my first teacher. And mm -hmm. I went, Emma Watts, who's now, she's my intern. Now she's the head of Fox Pictures. And I'm begging her to greenlight my movies. <laughs> but that's just typical of a lot of stuff that's happened to me. I'm trying to get Brett Ratner to finance my movies while I'm at it. I'm asking Leo Cohen, can I borrow his artists? It's nice. <laughs> I've seen a lot of shit. A lot of people become successful around me. Yep. But anyway, Emma Watts took us. Took Bobby Sriver and myself. Bobby's best friend at his wedding. He didn't marry Emma. She was his girlfriend. And I went to class. 
and I fell in love with it that, after that one class. And and that led then to meditation, which then led Medi- to yeah. veganism. No, and- uh, yes, the meditation and then vegan diet. Yeah, but you know, when I went to move to New York, I started practicing at Jiva Mukti Yoga. They were all vegan. They're hardcore. They're, I mean, that's what I'm building at Tantris, a yoga studio in L.A. at Soho House with people with big mouths. Like teaching Oprah to meditate, teaching Ellen DeGeneres to meditate, getting teachers for people like that. Katy Perry, I saw her last night. You know, she, Bob Roth. I don't know if I sent her Bob Roth or I sent Russell Brand. You know, I mean, I sent a lot of people these teachers, and these teachers transform these people. These people got big mouths, and then they tell everybody. Right. You know, and, and then the world shifted. So I'm so now I'm building a, a yoga studio, but not a regular yoga studio, a center for because a regular yoga studio would be very little physical practice, but, it's, but there's no such thing in that America. But the Asana studio I'm going to build is going to have a lot of it's going to be a center for yogic science, so that we'll have themes, we'll have a slightly more spiritual since we are spiritual beings with physical bodies, we'll remind people of that. More often than not, we'll play Krishna Das and Kanye West. <laughs> it's going to be fun, but I'm excited to build a studio that I think teaches more yogic science than just an asana practice. Yeah, the pose is a small part of yoga, as you must know. What do you think that the meditation and yoga give you on a daily basis? You are very busy, but yet you're incredibly committed to those two things every well, day. Well, I think that, like right now, my schedule is what it is. I still have time for meditation, yoga, and sleep. I need six hours or six and a half hours or seven hours now. And I'm old. I really need six hours, which I used to not need it. I need it. I need my six hours, my meditation, my yoga. And something to eat, you know. I mean, that's it. I don't need. I mean, and I, I don't mind talking to you. I mean, it's not hard. I'm not swinging a sledgehammer. <laughs> no, like we ain't doing shit here. This is we sitting in chairs. So I got yoga at seven. Though I like to have it early, but I have it when I get it. And you think that you're just not going to go to yoga? I want to run. Okay, that's thinking, my yoga and run. my meditation. No. Well, that's good. You'll do both because she booked it for you. I was wondering if you'll go. One last question, and then we'll wrap up. What do you think the lesson that has taken you the longest to learn in your life is? I'm still learning so many lessons. <laughs> um, I learned, I think the best thing I learned was I like morning meditation better than late night drinking and drugs. Yeah. So I took a lot of fucking drugs. Oh, my God. I didn't know drugs they made I didn't take. They had new shit I didn't get a chance to take because I've been sober for so long. Yeah. Like I never really tried crystal meth. I'm, I missed that boat. But I, tried, <laughs> I smoked a lot of angel dust, which is close. Yeah. And so I learned that sobriety is more fun when seeking yoga because when you think about yoga, seeking yoga, it's seeking a quiet mind. It comes from a lot of different places, right? Yeah. Uh, some is real yoga. Some is really running and meditating and really doing healthy things that quiet the mind. And some things just just fuck up the mind, just cloudy or clarity, right? I learned that clarity is greater. Um, and you know, because you're looking for happiness, it's only when the mind is quiet, so or or numb, right? Is a second of oh yes. shit, I feel great, right? Because right. you got your brain's not fucking moving, but the noise of the mind, the fluctuations of the mind, the cause of all the suffering, and we want to stop the fluctuations. And so these are the practices that are healthy that slow the fluctuations of the mind. You know, when the mind is still, everything unravels. The universe unravels when the mind is still. Not my quote, that's Maharishi, but it's true. 
Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show and thank you for helping me get recommitted to something that had been important and kind of slipped away. Well, go ahead. Thank you. Okay. Bye. You can learn more about Russell Simmons and this podcast at oneufeed.net slash Russell.